0: Ever lay in bed at night wondering how your favorite company is going to find their next CEO? Well, look no further. This pod's for you. We talk with the CEO matchmaker herself, Dana Fauché, an executive search recruiter for some of the highest flying tech firms we all know and love. If you've ever done it before, we all know hiring is difficult. Talking to someone who has it figured out, absolutely fascinating. This is Colby Howard Wants Your Job. Like, share, subscribe. Make sure you don't miss a new job we cover every other week. As always, we're learning together. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Colby Howard Wants Your Job, the show where we find out what the heck everyone else does with their day. I'm your host, Colby Howard. Our very special guest today is Dana Fauché. Fauché?
1: Yep, correct.
0: Not incorrectly, Foucher, Dana <laughs> Fauché. Now, before I say what she does, I'm not actually sure what her title is, so we'll just dive right in. You're not a recruiter. Are you an executive searcher? How do you explain this?
2: It's a very good question. Thank you. I am I am a recruiter by all intents and purposes. I... I'm a partner at an executive search mm-hmm. firm. I am a headhunter. I although I don't like that framing. Right.
0: Sounds like a little murder. Yeah,
2: it does. It does relationship builder. Like, <laughs> you know, we can start <laughs> unicorn finder all of the things.
0: On average, what are people in the executive search world saying about themselves?
2: Probably I'm a recruiter.
0: Interesting.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Is there a risk that, and I'm not saying one is better than the other, that a recruiter is referring to in-house, whereas an executive search, you're more likely to be at your own firm?
2: I think when you, you say that you're a recruiter, you are bundling mm-hmm. in many different types of recruiters, right? You mm-hmm. could be an in-house recruiter for lower to mid-level engineering jobs, for instance, that's a very specific niche. You could be a partner in media and entertainment, kind of working on those searches. Mm -hmm. That's a very different niche. You could be a recruiter for the military. Like, there are many different options, and I think all bundling into one, for the for the purposes of like a quick conversation, it's probably I'm a recruiter at an executive search firm. Or um,
0: I'm in executive search.
2: or Exactly. Okay. Exactly.
0: Got it. And so you, by the way, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank <laughs> Very you. Very excited to have you. <laughs> now we've cleared that up. The difference for your seven years, let's say, one of them has been in-house at Notel, mm-hmm. RIP, <laughs> and most of them, though, have been in an outside firm. Mm -hmm. So before we dive into what exactly it is you do every day, what are the main differences you've found between being in an actual company versus in a firm that only does recruiting or executive search?
2: Yeah, it depends on the size and stage of the company that you're in-house at, right? So if you're at a much larger, you know, corporation and you're doing specifically executive search, you're often managing people like me. So you're often, you know, managing the search firms. You are helping them through the process. You are helping them get to know the company. You're part of the kickoff process. You might be working on a few recs here and there. Recs? Yes. Yeah, so like jobs, jobs, right, that are available. Industry
0: yeah. jargon. It
2: is. It is.
0: What you said just now is was one of my first questions because if we were to go through the whole life cycle, of I'm starting at a at true search for the first time. And then I just help someone hire someone, like that whole life cycle is fascinating to me, yeah, but the first one is most everyone you're working with has a recruiting team in house mm-hmm. and has h r in house mm-hmm. some I know those are maybe overlapping some places sometimes not. Why are they hiring you if they already have an h r recruiting team, and is that ever combative, or is that always seen as collaborative,
2: yeah? So specifically where I focus my time is CEO, president, GM, like your big kind of P&L ownership, Mm -hmm. overarching leadership, and general management roles. I also do a lot of board searches. In that, it is important to go out and hire executive search firms to run a holistic process. Those are crucial roles, right? right? So a CEO, a... Chief commercial officer over a business unit, a president of a division or a president of the company. So in terms of what the bespoke process is, you hire a search firm, mm-hmm. you are getting their talent network, which many I would say like in-house recruiters don't have at these levels, right? You are managing a board. Mm-hmm. So you are on update calls with the full board of directors for the most part every week. Managing those relationships. You are creating a again bespoke or holistic process around assessment and scorecard, which are all, you know, mm-hmm. pieces that come along with the search process, interviewing those candidates, especially when it comes to venture backed, PE and, and right, public right. companies. Yeah. So
0: let's start with you are not the only executive searcher, recruiter, executive recruiter out there. Mm-hmm. True search is not the only firm out there. What is the business development process of convincing – I'm going to pick a name out of thin air. Spotify.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, Spotify is, I don't know, hiring a new COO. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants in on that. Not only is it a great logo, but it's a great opportunity and that's thats how you butter your bread. How are you convincing them? What is that pitch process to, hey, Dana should get this, Dana should be hired versus 15 other people that are also gunning for that?
2: Yeah, So there's many, like you said, there's many executive search firms out there all with their own way of working, all with their own niche.
0: Actually, no, let's back up. Are you saying there's a difference or there's kind of a waterfall of someone choosing the firm and then someone choosing the person at the firm? What's that relationship when they're thinking about we're hiring True and then within True we're getting Dana? we're hiring Dana, we don't really care where she works.
2: I'm partial to True obviously because (laughs) I work there. Most people do think about the platform when they are hiring an executive Mm -hmm. search firm. A lot of search is what I call like a black box. Mm -hmm. You don't know who the recruiter is calling. You don't know how many outreach messages they've sent. You don't know what the target companies they are going after. Mm -hmm. True has our own proprietary data set Um, internally that really allows clients to have a holistic view into what's happening behind the scenes in real time on a day-to-day basis. So that's a big part of the selling process of like, why true? Now, why work with me or why work with anyone? It's Mm -hmm. about their niche, right? It's about their track record in the market. It's about the relationships they have, their references. Also, it's just like your style, right? Like my style might not work with You know, every Fortune 100 public company CEO engaging on a search with us. It's why I tend to work a lot with our earlier stage clients Mm -hmm. who are going through hyper growth, who want a more relationship driven approach, who don't mind me texting them on the weekends. So I would say like it's individual pieces of the search firm and why you engage with them. And then individual pieces of why you would go with XYZ partner.
0: Let's say Spotify likes you for a search that they're doing in New York. Why? Because they're consumer tech. Great. You're a consumer. Mm-hmm. And they like you. They like your style. They love this whole platform concept. And sold. Mm-hmm. I think there's a world where you could think a recruiter, all they do is spend their entire day on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And they are just LinkedIn jockeys. Yeah. And they're so good at it. And they scroll and they scroll and they scroll. They write it down. They send it to the company. And like, thanks, like I got someone who's good at LinkedIn. How much is it actually before that, you sit down with Spotify and like, do you understand what you guys are hiring? Do you guys know what you want? What's the consultation aspect of that before you even start the outreach?
2: Yeah, search is expensive, so you better hope that you (laughs) have some level of like, search is expensive. No, as someone who's like incredibly frugal, you know, you you better hope that there's a real process before you even kick off the search, right? Of like due diligence and getting to know each other, etc. Mm-hmm. So we are pitching a search. We're getting to know the company. We get a signed contract. It is not uncommon that within the first, you know, five to seven days of signing that contract, we are spending a whole day really getting to know the full leadership team, strengths and weaknesses. If there's a, let's say we're doing a CEO replacement or we're doing a president search like why is that search needed right now getting to know the full board right developing an advocate in the search process someone who you can make sure is kind of shepherding things from the client side Mm -hmm. that can be an investor it can be a board member it can be the ceo what have you so there's a there's a lot of discovery that happens so going back to Mm -hmm. my days in-house sitting down with a mall at Notel or Jonathan mm-hmm. or Edward and and spending like, you know, a few hours doing whiteboarding sessions around why do we need this role? Um, talking about the business. Like we will do a full assessment of like everything down to the cap table <laughs> so that we can make sure that we're fully representing the company in market to the extent that we are cool. actually like an extension of them.
0: There are some things you're gonna be great at, there the company's gonna be great at, there's some things that you're gonna be great at. And I think the interesting aspect is because you're not just a LinkedIn jockey, because you're actually doing consultation, because you're coming, you're coming as a partner, I think that's a part that a lot of people don't get because your goal is to get someone hired. Mm-hmm. Your goal is not to find candidates. Yep. And so when you think about that aspect, how involved are you with the actual hiring process? Do you help with the design of the hiring process at all? If you're noticing that it's kind of disjointed, where does that come in?
2: When you are hiring search, Mm -hmm. let's call it, let's say it's a president search, right? Mm -hmm. We are managing the search end to end. So if you interview with XYZ company, we get feedback from you as the executive recruiter on our end of, hey, I met with Bob and... It was a really bad experience. He was telling me the company shit. It's a transformation. <laughs> There's no money left in the bank. And meanwhile, Bob is telling us that this is like super high growth. They're about to raise another round of funding. There's a mismatch right there mm-hmm. of what we're hearing as the recruiters and what you're hearing as a candidate interviewing with that individual. If We come up to an issue like that in the process, but Bob still really needs to be a part of it. We'd put Bob on the like far end of the process and really coach Bob on like, hey, you might have not really interviewed in the past Mm -hmm. and that's okay. but your role in this process is going to be to sell. And we will coach them on how to sell. Now, this very may well be a transformation. They very may well not have any money in the bank. Mm
0: -hmm. And we
2: need to be incredibly upfront about that. But there's a way to do it that shows it's an opportunity, right? So there's a reason
0: Bob's there. Like Bob hasn't left the company.
2: Yes. So, yes, we do the LinkedIn searching and all of that. But that is that's kind of an added bonus, right? 90% Mm -hmm. of the people who we are hiring are already within our network and many of those are found within the first 40 days of a search.
0: Okay. I want, this, this part has been one of my biggest questions yeah. is are you pitching your network and someone comes to you with a job and you're like, I've got 200 people in my head and I think these five could be great. Mm-hmm. That does feel a little not high stakes because like what if you don't have someone in your network, but it also feels like you might square peg round hole type thing. What are the odds that those 200 people, any of them fit? Like, how do you think about the pros and cons of the network versus pure outbound model?
2: Yeah. So that is really my job as a partner, right? Like within the first week of us kicking off the search, I should be calling the top five people who are on my list. If I don't know those five people off the top of my head, chances are I'm not the right person to be working on the search. Interesting. And and that says like, okay, maybe oh. I should hand this off to Eric or I should hand this off to Susie or whatever. This is the
0: niche exactly part of the, okay.
2: Exactly. So as the partner, as the principal on the search, you should know the first five people that you're calling. In the meantime, the associates in conjunction with the principals and with direction from partners are really like doing the... the holistic research <laughs> on the we'll back end i out. need us i need a thesaurus really um to make sure that we're properly mapping the market right and so you're deploying your network within you know the first week and that's often when you're finding the placement right so a perfect example of this i recently closed the ceo search venture backed about 20 million in revenue in like the games entertainment media mm-hmm. sports space the first person i called They had just taken a new job. They recommended another individual to me who we knew as a firm, but I had not yet directly connected with, but they fall kind of directly within Mm -hmm. my ecosystem. That person was presented within the first week of the search. We closed the search in 60 days, but it was the second call that I had made. So it's very often that that person is found within the first week. And it is up to our clients of like, how quickly we can get them through the process. Mm -hmm. And that's your time to fill.
0: I'd imagine there is some hesitancy around, let's say you found the perfect candidate Mm -hmm. and it's the first candidate you send them. Isn't your gut reaction as a company, there's no way we got it on the first try. Like I need to see 10 before I hire the 11th or I liked one, I need to see nine more before I'm convinced number one is it. How do you manage that aspect?
2: Yeah, for, for a CEO search, the average amount of candidates that the client should be meeting is eight. Let's say there are some people out there. There are some partners at search firms who say you do not present your best candidate first because that really sets the bar Mm -hmm. high for the rest. That's not I I don't believe in that. I fundamentally don't believe in that if you find the perfect candidate and they are your first call, you present that and you tell the client why Mm. this person is perfect and why there might not be 10 others of them out there. Hmm. But again, it is a strategy. Of, of many folks that you present your best candidate like midway through the right. process, right? With it being a candidate's market still at the executive mm-hmm. levels, you have the opportunity to lose out on that person. You know, if you're not presenting them within a week, they could easily get three other calls for CEO searches within that time. And so fundamentally, and like, even if it's the best person, first candidate we present, I put them forward with the expectation setting of there might not be 10 other mm-hmm. Colby's out there you wow, know for instance you. yeah thank I was you. gonna use Bob again but <laughs> we'll get
0: rid of Bob. the thing that comes up you say they could get three other phone calls mm-hmm. that week in the next two weeks that person when you say it's a candidate's market that person who's currently CEO of a company or maybe they're president of a company they aren't necessarily looking for a new job but because it's a candidate's market they're going to get hit up with mm-hmm. any CEO search that's within I don't know, that falls within their Venn diagram yep. basically.
2: Yep. Ninety-five percent of the folks who were calling on searches are not actively looking. Mm-hmm. So I say I would say that's a fundamental difference between what executive search is and kind of what the rest of, you know, recruiting looks like mm-hmm. is it's highly sales oriented without being too salesy, right? Like you can you have mm-hmm. executive search professionals who are out there who are hounding people, who are texting them seven times a day. They've got their sales mode on, but not in a way that's also oriented toward relationship building and long term kind of relationship development over time. And so because they
0: might not be the candidate this time. Exactly. But they might be in three searches from now. And so them liking you, them respecting your process, that's all part of the game and the referrals that might give you.
2: That's that's what makes I guess that's what differentiates a, a great. Partner in a search Mm -hmm. firm versus a mediocre one is one who is focused on relationship building over time and isn't just in it for the short term gains. How
0: do you think about because I've gotten some inbounds and I'm sure everyone has like billion dollar tech consumer in the media video game space. Like they try and get like without saying the actual company, they try and give you they try and get you excited. Yeah. So how? How often are you pitching without specificity? And You're like, oh, I can tell you who it is in round two or on the phone. How, how are you usually balancing that?
2: Unfortunately, it's very often that my outreach message is I'm working on a CEO search for a company that's X hundred million in revenue. Mm-hmm. I unfortunately am unable to share anything over email, but and I'm having most of my candidates sign NDAs. Um, Interesting. Uh, it's it's an unfortunate part of the process mm-hmm. but you can never be too careful and with the caliber of searches that we work on as a firm like you don't want it getting out there when there's a non-public ceo search it getting out into the market
0: when you say non-public like if a ceo has announced they're stepping down everyone assumes they're yep. going to be looking for a ceo are you, yep. when you say non-public is it usually the board has come to you and said, hey, we need to find a new CEO, we're going to replace this guy, and he does not know?
2: That situation definitely happens. <laughs> it's very tricky. It's really hard to run uh-huh. a search process when when that is the case. I I often advise our clients of you have to at least have a conversation because people talk. It's a mm-hmm. very, very small ecosystem in tech and even smaller in media and entertainment specifically. If you think about new media or you think about games or you think about sport, Like it's very, very small and everyone knows everyone regardless of what coast they live on. And so I'm often advising our clients of we can start mapping the market. We can start putting together a scorecard, an assessment Mm -hmm. criteria, search strategy, but it is going to be crucial for you to have that conversation behind the scenes and get that going before we fully kick off the search. Now, in part of that process, we can start calling a few people that we really trust But it's going to be three to five to maybe 10 individuals Mm -hmm. who we know have personal relationships with and starting to kind of generate the search process and and get the search going. But I'm of the of the school of thought where like a conversation should at least be had if at all there's a possibility that that can happen. Now, it's not the case every time.
0: Do you ever advise interim? Like, hey, put someone else in there as an interim CEO so we can actually do a real search.
2: Yeah, we're starting to see that more often. Requests for interim or consulting period. Mm -hmm. We as a firm actually have a product called TrueBridge. So it was founded by Mm -hmm. the former head of executive search at Google, who then was a partner at Coastal Ventures, where Mm -hmm. we do interim and fractional hiring. Mm -hmm. So we'll often partner, if that's the case, and the client is looking for something interim or it makes sense in that scenario, we'll partner with TrueBridge and the team over there To come up with a solution for the short term while we kind of work on the long term. Yeah.
0: So they get an email, but could also get, I don't know, a a cold LinkedIn outbound from you with the super vague, hey, we're looking, but I'm reaching out to you because I'm good at what I do. I've recognized you could be great for this. Let's talk. Mm -hmm. What is the process that you need to go through of vetting on your side before it even makes it to the company?
2: Yeah. So it's typically several hours of, of conversation, whether that's over Zoom typically to start mm-hmm. and then I love to do in-person meetings. So it's it's so much better when you can like get a sense of body language yeah. and how a person actually treats you and all of the um, subtle signals, right that you get from executives when actually sitting down with them. So before a candidate actually makes it to the client, I should have spent at least two to three hours with them. Hmm. So that's over an initial phone call where we're you know, selling them on the opportunity. Usually that first 30, 45-minute call is telling them about the company, the opportunity. Um,
0: All of this you've learned through your consultation period with yes. the company and narrowing down what the actual pitch points are, yep. what maybe some things hiding under some rocks, some snakes yeah. that they should know about. All of that is the prep period you've already done.
2: Yep. So it's walking them through the pitch sheet. It is walking them through, you know, company deck. It's telling them a little bit about the opportunity, why we're working on it, you Mm -hmm. know, the context, et cetera. From there, the second Zoom call or meeting is typically longer. So it's about an hour. And that's when we're doing our full deep dive on the candidate. So we're learning more about their current role, what their remit is, what their team looks like, all the way through to like, what are you passionate about? What really gets you excited? If we're doing a CEO search for a health and wellness platform, like, does that person exercise? (laughs) What do they do? Are they- actually a
0: complete dick. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Like, Mm.
2: there's gotta be some level of I get really excited about this. And that's my biggest recommendation to candidates as well as like, if you can't get excited about the product, and it doesn't have to be like you're curing cancer, But like if you get really excited about this one product feature at an AI company, cool, do it, you know. Mm -hmm. But we're testing on those pieces. So it's it's really that kind of full assessment, full scorecard and evaluation that we're doing in that second conversation.
0: How would you describe conceptually the perfect candidate?
2: Oh, it depends on the search. Well, of course it depends on the search.
0: (laughs) I guess you could think about it as this person is joining a company that's 20 million in revenue. This person just took a company that's 20 million in revenue to 50 million in revenue in the same space. Yep. He's just gonna run this playbook again. Is that conceptually exactly what you're looking for? Or do you find that it's like a, a false indicator of what actually someone successful could be?
2: Yeah, so in the scorecard, we're we're typically testing on someone's domain relevance. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to the health and wellness example. Not every candidate who is successful has worked in a health and wellness business. For instance, a perfect example, I would say, is like within the games ecosystem. If we're recruiting for a small gaming studio, right, you're going to look at EA, you're going to Mm -hmm. look at, you know, Sega, you're going to look at these big games companies. But, you know, you could also translate that games experience to a match group. You know, where there's right. there's similar kind of
0: gamifying.
2: gamifying, where you're gamifying the product features mm-hmm. and functionality, very heavy focus on the customer and the consumer journey and UI and UX and mm-hmm. all of those things. So domain relevance, we're, we're testing a lot on functional areas of expertise, right? So if the client is looking to really amp up their product organization, like the chances of the CEO... Having a go-to-market background are pretty slim, Mm -hmm. likely going to want someone who comes up product technical, but has also managed marketing and all the other revenue functions. And then just culture fit is a really big piece to it as well. Compensation, location, all factors that have become increasingly important in a post-COVID world.
0: It's interesting because I find this fascinating. Obviously, my company looks at CEOs and when they're hired, are they a good fit? And the first one we ever did, again, to be vague, but also extremely specific because it'll be easy to figure out, a toy company who just created a new movie <laughs> hired a woman from Google. And this company wanted to become more tech forward, like Hasbro had. And she was head of sales operations at Google. So, yeah, she was at a tech company, but, like, not really the tech part of the tech company. Yep. And had no experience in toys, had no experience. And so in that case, it felt like the board had a mandate. Hey, we need a logo. Like this is almost as much of a marketing play as it is. Yeah, exactly. And the the board comments on press releases are always hilarious because they're always ecstatic about the new hire. They have to be. But in that case, it felt like, like there's no way they looked at that and said, yes, this is the perfect fit. How do you think about balancing skill set with, let's say, we need someone who went to Harvard Business School. Mm-hmm. Like the old school, someone worked at McKinsey. And like, that is actually a good flag for the market. And we think that's necessary. How much of that do you face?
2: The folks who come from Harvard and MIT and Stanford or who have an upbringing in consulting or investment banking, like those are core fundamental skill sets that give you the training to operate at the level like that's why you see most of these tech company CEOs having come from that kind mm-hmm. of a background, but it is not, it is not the end all be all of what talent, good talent looks like, right? A lot of the work I do is actually with celebrities who are incubating brands. So it could be a celebrity incubating tequila brands, that or a (laughs) snacks company or Mm. a beauty like e commerce startup, right? Got or a you know, celebrity launching a content play. I think it'll be incredibly interesting to see how just that mindset evolves over the next several years as like this next generation, like Gen Z, Mm -hmm. is thinking less about the logo of the school that they go right. to or, or you know going to school at all. going to school at all or becoming a content creator or those types of things so i think we're, we're going to start to see a fundamental shift in that it's, it used to be a lot more important and it still is to mm-hmm. most of our clients but i really try to warn against the i'm just looking for a splashy logo and a splashy yeah. press release because you know oftentimes like consultants don't make great cds no, there were several art- articles about it today with a certain public company CEO that came from a consulting background and, and flopped in the situations mm-hmm. had never operated in a business right. before and so that's that's really key is like what is the fundamental experience that you've gained operating especially as we see in CEO and and GM mm-hmm. roles
0: how do you think about the superficially perfect candidate versus like the interesting candidate hey guys This is not really what you'd expect to be a great candidate. Here's why I think you should talk to them. Here's why I think they could be great. How often does that enter the process or how often is that something you're looking for?
2: It's all in the presentation to the client, right? At the end of the day, like they're the ones who are paying our bills. And if they want to see a splashy logo, like we'll get them a splashy logo. But I think especially as we think about equal representation – You have to sell those candidates who you're really determined on.
0: When you've think you been talking about the scorecard, what are the categories that are usually on that scorecard?
2: Yeah, there's typically
0: five
2: to eight. The two most important we're talking about typically are domain expertise and functional experience. And then it tends to get a bit more specific from there, right? So in the case of a growth marketing search, right, like what are the exact functions or levers that that person needs to have experience pulling in terms of growth Mm -hmm. or culture fit elements, right? Like we're talking not just like gravitas, I hate that word, but like executive presence or patience or experience or, you know, being able to to work with highly dynamic personalities. We're getting really specific when it comes to culture fit.
0: Mm -hmm. So that's culture fit, are you determining their culture? There's the culture they want to build, yeah. but then they're like, these three people are like very abrasive, and yeah. like you've re- you've read into that. You're never going to tell them you're abrasive, mm-hmm. but you are going to keep that in mind when you talk to someone who's super soft spoken and like you're not going to actually you're going to think that might not be a culture fit. Is that there? Is there an aspect of that?
2: There is. There's again, like probably in the back of our minds more so, <laughs> but I might say in the scorecard again, like experience managing highly complex and highly dynamic personalities Ooh, on a board right like we will often in our deep dives like go through each specific point with the candidate and have them respond and really make sure that like we're checking the boxes on mm-hmm. those items so that's how we're assessing candidates
0: are you i, I keep thinking about the nba draft mm-hmm. where oh man our, sports
1: analogy <laughs>
0: <laughs> or like the nfl draft yeah. and someone comes up roger goodell With the fourth pick, the New York Giants pick, and whatever name comes out, there are fans in the crowd that are like, boo, or like, yeah, like, they're super excited. Do you ever watch and, like, measure and feel good or bad about the market's reaction to that hire? Like, what are they doing? Or great hire. It might not matter. The market could get it wrong, and a year later, the company's doing extremely well. Do you, how do you judge those initial reactions?
2: Yeah, it's really fun to see with our hires that we can, you know, we've gotten clearance from the client that we can post about or what have you. It is so fun to see the engagement.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
2: also really fun to see candidates who we talk to through the process and maybe they didn't make the cut really supporting that person that they might be friends with. Again, going back to it, it's like a really small ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So we might have been talking to Susie early on in the search. We placed, You know, Fred, Susie and Fred are friends. The announcement comes out that Fred's joining XYZ Company and Susie's in the background kind of clapping for him, which is really cool. Um, Susie,
0: Fred, and Bob. This is like 1950s. I know. I'm like, why
2: am I trying to think of like just totally
0: (laughs) random names?
2: It's not working out for me. I deal with names every day, Uh, like in the back of my head. And I'm like, don't say a candidate's name. Uh, <laughs> so you're just,
0: you haven't been a Bob, Fred, or Susie in Not like ten a long years. Time. Not in a long time. <laughs> the hiring process is fifty percent the company saying yes, fifty percent the candidate saying yes. Mm-hmm. When you close a candidate, it's also the company closing. Mm-hmm. At what point are you like, all right? It's it's like the Bachelor. Yeah. Fantasy suite has happened for three people. It's up to you now. Mm-hmm. Are you suggesting? A playbook to the company like you want this person here's what we've seen work in the past take out their families to dinner like how does that all work
2: we are really not done until not only has the person signed the contract but they have operated in the seat we're often providing them that playbook and giving recommendations right because they're too busy to think about these things and so Helping them along the courting process is really like what we're responsible for toward the tail end. Even if a candidate has an offer in hand, it's just like gentle reminders along the way that I think are really helpful for our clients because they're they're focusing on how to scale the next billion-dollar company.
0: Hiring is a skill.
2: Yeah, so we are often advising on that. Although the clients are paying our bills, it's really important that I'm not just – selling a person into a job. Right. I will represent the candidate, their compensation needs and make sure that like I'm giving that perspective to the client so that we can come to the the, the best means for an offer. I am of the utmost and fundamental mindset that I represent candidates just as much as I represent our clients. Mm -hmm. Once they're in the seat, making sure they're happy, keeping in touch with them along the way, making sure the board and and the company and the investors are happy along the way and managing that relationship. It's never like a cut and dry. We're done with the search. We place the person we're never going to talk to you again. Oftentimes, especially for a CEO, especially for a president search, like those folks end up becoming our our clients. Right. So, continuous relationship building over time.
0: How do you you reach out to someone? Hey, you didn't know this, but this person is being considered for CEO, or hey, we're talking to Roger, another 1950s name. <laughs> and We are talking to him about a job and that job entails X, Y and Z. What do you know about his skill set in that area? How do you frame that entire conversation?
2: I really try not to talk about the job, the company, the timing of it at the level at which I'm recruiting for. I'm often able to say it's for a board search or it's for an advisory position or this person was recommended to us by multiple sources. And before we call them on a public company CEO search, we'd love to just get your confidential comments on your experience working with this individual.
0: Even, and but you might be saying this at the end of a search. Yeah. Got it. It could be the beginning of a search if you it, really want to give background on someone. For sure. But it could be anywhere through it. But your euphemisms there are protecting,
2: are protecting the client. Are protecting the candidate. The candidate, sorry. The candidate yeah. mainly. Yeah. And the client as well. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's a known factor that like this is what happens behind the scenes in search. Yeah. And sure. you often find out like really insightful and, and helpful information through that process that you wouldn't have through regular referencing. Mm-hmm.
0: This has been awesome. Thank you for coming on. We now know a little bit more about what Dana, Fa- God, I'm gonna get this every <laughs> time. So we, if you notice, we had Patrick Deviche on the show last week or next week, I forget when. Now we have Dana Fauci. We are an extremely cultured podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: Yeah, thanks for Great having, having me, having you. super fun.
0: Awesome, this has been Colby Howard Wants Your Job. We will see you next week.